Hello and welcome to the Potters Podcast. We're back. Sorry about last week, but of course, because it's been a Sunday and Anne's getting back at about quarter to midnight, we couldn't do a podcast. So this time I'm going to cover QPR as well. But this week, obviously, it was a drab affair, a cold day as well, uh, completely underdressed again. But we come away with a nil-nil draw against Middlesbrough. We're going to cover that. We're going to cover the Christmas period. And I'm going to tell you a bit of a story about the police when he arrived as well. So I hope you enjoy. Sit back and listen. So hello, Ange. How are you doing? Hello. How are you doing? I've had better days, better Sundays. Uh, last Sunday was better. Queen's Park Rangers perked me up. Yesterday took me back to normality. Right, well, we'll cover QPR first. We'll go on a high note before we go on a bit of a low note. <laughs> 2-0 win. A good result. We're final, I think, was it seven years since we last won in London? Positive. It was brilliant. And being there was fantastic. And never a doubt that Tyrese Campbell was going to score, unlike yesterday when they'd have put my house on him. Took the goal well. Mario Vrancic was just involved in everything. Great pass. Then he gives away a, the most ridiculous penalty which Davies could have thrown his cap on, but at least he went the right way. We've had other goalkeepers that would have probably gone the wrong way. Uh, and then old Mario comes up with a, another great goal. So it was just a fabulous day out. Everything yesterday wasn't. But you know what? If you'd have said to me, we'll get four points out of Queen's Park Rangers and Middlesbrough, I'd have been happy, would you? Uh, no. I, oh, okay. I, I want well, to you're never happy, are you? Well, I, I am always happy, you know this. But I... Um, <laughs> I, I was hoping for a win against Middlesbrough because I thought they were there to the taking, really, because yeah, they, they, well. they were utter garbage to, yesterday, to be honest. I know they got us number, but what a, it was just terrible. I mean, going back to QPR, though, I mean, Campbell, he took his chance well, which we're going we're to talk about how not to take his chances well later on, but it was a good performance against QPR because I ended up watching it uh, on tally, obviously, because I, I don't do a lot of away games, to be honest. No. But it was a good game, I enjoyed it and I thought, you know, we're, we're kicking that corner again but then it just went back to normality again with Middlesbrough, didn't it? I think the problem was that they had obviously worked out how to stop us attacking and they decided to go 11 men behind the ball and then try and break and we just don't seem to... Look, there's nobody in the world that will tell me that Tyrese won't be disappointed with missing that chance. You'd have put your house on him scoring that one However, I still don't know how Watmore managed to change a certain easy goal into kicking the ball behind him and then lying down and letting Davies pick it up. So there were chances both ends and they had another chance near the end uh, when they missed it. So you look at the game and I think there were 15 attempts on goal, eight from Stoke and seven from them and only one on target for each side. And that's the, that's the problem. Stoke have had a really good home record, as he keeps on about, but we've only won one of the last four matches at home. Could even be five, actually. We've only won one. And, and that's not... Uh, if the away form now starts dropping off, we've got a problem because the season's going to be really tight in terms of positions going for that top six. I mean, you look how Nottingham Forest are doing now... You look at I think Middlesbrough will be around there. I, I've still got this feeling that, I don't know why, that Coventry will drop away because they score again in injury time. I think they've come back more than anybody. I think it's 14 times they've come back from losing positions this season to get at least a point. So even if we six up with a minute to go at Coventry, I'll still have my doubts. <laughs> yeah, Coventry, I, don't, I think they'll drop away. I agree with you because I think defensively they are... A bit shambolic at times, Coventry, but they, they have no problem hitting the net. 
that's the thing why they're still up there, Coventry, because they just don't, they don't, they score every week. It's, they, yeah, they, and they've got a lot of energy about the team, and, and I'm not so sure uh, we can match that energy. I mean, Cook has got 90 minutes yesterday, he, he looked a bit rusty, but you'd expect that. Um, Danny Bart feeding the ball out, like uh, trying to do what Suter does doesn't work, but he's a great defender, and... Um, I, I'm still laughing at the one when the guy got past him and he sort of head rushed at him in his sort of stomach, tried to make look look like he fall, um, and he got a booking for it. I still don't know why Smith got booked, by the way. But, yeah, that uh, happened too. Danny Danny Bar is a is a good defender, and um, Michael O'Neill said to me after his own professional years, and just talking to Danny Bar after he, he, he prides himself on clean sheets as all defenders do. And I thought he was man of the match for Stoke yesterday. I don't know what you thought. Um, well, we you can't, pick Wilmot, won't well, you? Well, no, we can't. We can't ruin the player ratings, can we? Because if, if we tell everyone who we man of the match yeah, is, yeah, go on then. Exactly, it's going, it's going to ruin. But you touched on something there that I did want to talk on before we went into the player ratings. What's going on with his home form? Because he keeps saying we're, we're doing well at home. We were doing well at, at home probably three months ago, but we aren't winning anymore. What's going on at home? lot of it is to do with um, teams have realised that coming to Stoke, if you get a point, as Chris Wilder said yesterday, if you get a point, you've done well at Stoke, having said that, Blackburn got three, um, and Bournemouth. I, I just think we've lost a little bit of a little bit of know-how on grinding out victories, and again, when you look at the players that played yesterday, I thought a lot of them looked tired. You know, as I said, that we were undefeated with five wins from the first six at home. And it is five now. We've, we've only won one of our last five at home. But we won three of the last four away. So I don't care how we win, where we win. I'm, I'd prefer us to win at home because I think it would cheer some of the crowd up. Who again, yesterday, I know it's a chicken and egg, but I thought the crowd weren't great yesterday. And I expected Middlesbrough to be uh, all singing and all dancing. But it was a quite quiet match, which indicates it wasn't great. But... Um, I, I don't think, given the fact we've got people who've been injured, um, we can play the way we were in those first few home matches. I think we're more suited now to to uh, counter-attacking because we're struggling to, to break teams down at home because they're coming and they know how we're playing and they know how we're setting up with the wing-backs and, they, and they're nullifying that. That's my answer. I don't know what you think. Um, I, I, I just think that we've got a few players that are playing too many games, to be honest. I think timing looks very laboured. I mean, to be honest, yeah. at this moment of time, I'll be brutally honest, I'm struggling-wise in the team, to be honest. Yesterday, there was a couple of times where he was running that slowly that defenders were catching up with him. You, you know, you, I was thinking, come on, run, and then put a yeah. ball in. And every yeah. time he put a ball in, it went nowhere near a man. So, you know, I, I won't, I, Alfie Dowerty for me is the future. We need to start giving him that position because I think he's the best for it from everything I'm reading and what I've seen because if he's got that pace that can turn a game. You know, yes, yesterday I believe we should have won that game. I think Campbell had the best chance. I know Duncan Watmore made an absolute clown of himself. There's no question <laughs> of that. I mean, it's, I, great, I, it's, it's great because people were talking like he's the new David Beckham when he was coming from the yeah. academy at Sunderland. Yeah. Wow, how people got that one wrong. He's turned out like the new Lee Clark. But yeah, to, to be honest, I think the crowd, when it's cold, and I've always said this when, it cold, when it's cold, if Stoke don't perform, the crowd goes in quickly. And, and you can see everyone was freezing yesterday and, and the atmosphere now at the South Stand, because the police have now stopped people going up and down, which is good. People 
you know, congregated on the stairs, which yeah. is a good thing. But they were sort of, I mean, I went in and I shouted, Middlesbrough, you're a bunch of seaweeds. Can't say it even on the podcast. And a police, the policeman, first one came up and he said, oh, you can't say that anymore. We, we, we're striking down. And then a second one came up, started pushing me in the chest and going, right, you put his finger in my face, going, right, if you say anything like that again, I'm going to kick you out. I went, whoa, don't touch me, mate. That's, that's assault, really. And he goes, right, you're banned for life. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, this is the last podcast we'll be doing, then. And, uh, you know, he walked off eventually. and, 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 oh, and right, then, you know, he just, he just walked away. He just said, right, yeah. you're going to calm down. I was like, yeah, well, I wasn't... I was calm anyway until you came yeah, up. Yeah, but you, you talk about yesterday. I mean, last year when Middlesbrough came, they were standing all down the emergency exits, so that's probably why they they um, they tightened up on things. But I've never seen more police at a match for years than I saw going to the game yesterday, and there was there was a considerable amount of trouble after the match. Um, I don't know who started it, but there was a, a, a great deal of trouble after the match, and... I'd like to thank whoever caused it for making people stay for an hour after the match on the car park. It's really good of you to think of people and um, change carbon footprints. So it's awful. Stoke will get uh, a load of stick about not letting people off, but if I can just relay this through the podcast, it isn't Stoke's decision to lock you on the car park. It's the police and the highways. Stoke have no say in it. They just have to follow the safety. And I came out of the ground at ten past six, and I didn't move a wheel till twenty to seven. And then, you know, I live in Bucknell. I go all the way back through Longton and Fenton because cars weren't going the other way. And that, to me, just made the perfect end to what was a a, a not great day watching football because we all want Stoke to win. And Michael O'Neill was clearly fed up at the end of the the match too. You know, he didn't really want to uh, indulge me when I asked him where Seema and Ostergaard were, he got a bit upset about that, so I'm sure none of them were happy with what happened, but let's hope that uh, next week's massive. Well it is, yeah, it is, because we are starting to slowly drop out the form and everything out of the playoffs, aren't we? But bef- yeah, but look on the bright side, which I know you always do, we could be Newcastle fans. Well, exactly. If you're a Newcastle fan, it is time to. Well, which mean Newcastle fans? We've got multi-billion trillionaires opening the football yeah, club. I mean, there's all this talk about people like Tyrese Campbell, which I do think is rubbish talk, by the way, going there. If I was a, and we're going slightly off the subject, but if you were a really class player, and it wouldn't matter if you were given billions, millions to play, I don't think many people would go to Newcastle at the moment because I, I think they're going to struggle to stay up. I guarantee you would go Newcastle for a lot of money. Go on. Carlos Tevez. <laughs> <laughs> He'll go for whatever the money is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. He'd go veil if he put, put a quid more than his own pocket. I don't think he would. <laughs> I guarantee you would. If they give him... Yeah, and, and just on that point, uh, you know, they've, they've got a lot of injuries themselves, but uh, I did see a lot of people having a chuckle when the winning goal at Newport was scored by one Dom Telford, and he's now become a little hero for many Stoke fans, so... Because you know he played for us and uh, he scored the winning goal for Newport yesterday. But we, we digress. We ought to get back to Stoke. Right, so we'll go in now with the player ratings before we go away. So obviously we'll start with Adam Davis. Now, he was sensational last week at Queen's Park Rangers. And if we did on player ratings, he'd have got 11 out of 10 last week. Because they could have still been playing till yesterday and they wouldn't have beaten him. Yesterday I thought his kicking was a bit off. I thought... The handling of some of the back passes. He has far too many back passes to handle. 
I, I didn't think they were great and he didn't really have anything to do apart from pick up that that terrible shot that Watmore messed up. So because his kid team wasn't brilliant, I'm giving him six. And I'm getting with it. I'm getting with. I go with his yeah, six as well. I'll go over six because, you know, yeah, he, he, he had nothing to do really, did he? Every shot was going wide or over the post. You know, there was nothing nothing to really for him to, you know, make a great save like he did against QPR. Yeah. And, and to be honest, yeah, his kicking was a bit off. But to be honest, he had nothing to do. The thing is, you could just see, if you've watched the highlights back, you'll see his face of like, what has he done when Duncan Watmore slips there? It's like, even he's like, yeah. <laughs> you see his mouth open. <laughs> like, what's that? What's he doing here? Well, I, can't see, I, I just couldn't understand what he'd done, and I watched it three times on the replay. And luckily, he sort of uh, did a little kicking of his own heel, which helped us. Because, you know, even the world's worst player would have. Keith Scott would have scored that for Stoke. Come on now, that's it. That's well, going a bit not. far. That's going point. a bit far. The only good thing Keith got, Scott did for Stoke was leave was leave and bring Sharon in. That was yeah. the only good thing he did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, to be honest, I'm going to give him a seven because of the, his reaction to the what more miss, and I'm going to give him a seven because it's Christmas soon. Okay. So yeah, I'll give him a seven to be honest because I thought because I'm I'm in that good spirit. And you keep saying I'm miserable, so let's go for it. Ah, oh, let's go with Tommy Smith. He gets a nine from me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Tommy Smith. Um, it summed up his game when he had the free kick at the end of the match. Uh, well, near the end of the match, when it, we could have um, we could have maybe had a one last chance at scoring, and he, he messed up the free kick. I, I I didn't think he offered a lot going forward yesterday. Uh, but having said that, I have no idea why he got booted. No idea at all. So somebody will have to tell me why he got booted, and I'm going to give him a six as well. And I'm going to give him a six. But the reason I'm going to give him six, I think early on in the second half, he did a chase back where he lost the ball and then went and made a great tackle where he, he, he should have gone out for a throw-in, but he managed to scoop it round and keep it in play. That's the only good thing I saw from him yesterday. Attacking, there was no edge to him at all, which is, I think, the reason is why if Timon and Smith don't get forward enough, we don't seem to win the games. We really struggle to get a goal. And yesterday, Smith was, he, he was doing all right defensively, which is normally not what he's what he's good at but he did it yesterday but going forward he brought nothing and that free kick you know let's be honest David Beckham's safe at taking free kicks if Smith <laughs> takes them like that let's be honest yeah there was a lot of passes that poor old Campbell who I didn't think had a great game he had no chance of getting them and I thought the conditions perhaps helped to make them difficult but I thought the passing you know they try and get the ball over the top to Campbell and and then he looks and it's like 35 yards in front of him. I thought we were poor yesterday in that respect. Yeah, and now we'll go into the person next who I thought had a poor game, which was Josh Tymon. I thought he was pretty poor. Well, not pretty poor. He didn't seem to do much defensively or going forward in attack. Um, I'm not so sure that Fox and he work that well together, but, I mean, we've got nothing else to, to change that. Um I just didn't think it was one of his better games. He'll always say he tries, uh, but he's getting a five from me. Um, he's getting a four from me, to be honest, uh, Josh Tyman, because I just thought he was bored again yesterday. First off, he was showing some good bits of pace, and when he had the opportunity to break, he was trying things. But every single time, he, when he got to the clinical areas where you break forward and, and try to put some in, he, he sort of seemed to slow down 
which yeah. and, and defenders were catching up with him. It seems like he's lacking confidence and he's he's lacking that true pace that he does have. Second half, he was non-existent. I've got to be honest. No. No, but he wants to loan, wasn't he? No, he wants to loan. There's a few players that were not existent, but time and I really noticed because he's at a very clinical point on the pitch. So you're noticing yeah. more than, say, Sawyer's. Not good enough at all for me yesterday, and it's, it's a blow of five. I know it's Christmas, but I think four's being generous, to be honest. There you go, a little Christmas gift for time and a four. Right, so now we go into for my man of the match, without any question of a doubt, um, Danny Bat. Oh, I thought Danny Bat was... Uh... He's just his normal, reliable, solid, defensive. I mean, you know he'll stick a boot in or he'll stick a head in and he'll he'll just try and, and, and get the ball away. It's what you want from your defenders, isn't it? You just... Um, he doesn't... There's no nonsense about him. If there's a ball that comes near him and he can't pass it, he'll just hoof it up the pitch. And that that's just what you want from your defenders. I, I thought he was head and shoulders above everything else for Stoke. The worrying thing is that at home he's head and shoulders above everything else, and he's man of the match. That that's the worry for me, and I'm I'm probably because the game wasn't great. I'm going to be generous and give him an eight. Hey, I'm going to give him a. I'll give him an eight as well. To be honest, I thought he was brilliant yesterday. Everything he had to do, he did. Brilliant in the air. Everything that come high, he headed away. Defensively strong, we all know that. We know he's got no pace, which he struggles with at times, but he made a great recovery tackle in the first half, which sort of yeah, saved us as well. A fantastic bit of defending that was. And he's a good he's a good man for me. I, I don't understand why he got dropped, really. I think he should be alongside Harry Suter when he's back fit, and maybe the left or right side, whichever suits him best. I thought he was brilliant yesterday, and I can't knock him when he gets man of the match. And since he's come back into the t- team, he's become a spine. And it's like we, it's like we haven't lost Suter for how good he's been. I was just about to say the same thing. He's covered up the the loss of Suter remarkably well. The, the worry is um, if Danny Bart gets injured, we were going to have Chester in there. Keith Scott. Yeah, Keith Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Bart. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'll give him an eight. Man, man, man. Did you think I was going to say Ben, ben Wilmot then before I said Danny Bart? No, I, I was jokingly saying that. Not even you could pick Ben Wilmot as a man of the match yesterday. <laughs> right, and on that note, we'll go into Ben Wilmot. I like Ben Wilmot going forward. I thought he struggled a lot yesterday. The biggest worry for me was his back passes to Adam Davis because they always seemed to bobble just before they got to Davis. I didn't think he had the greatest of games, but you know what? You, again, you, everybody should try, but you can't fault him for for his efforts but I thought it was one of his poorer games and I am going to give him a five. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's generous. I'm going to give him a seven. Um, well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> this joke's getting old now. I've been doing it for months. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a three actually for Ben Wilmot yesterday. I thought he was atrocious to be honest. Um, uh, everyone who thinks I like him, he, he listened back <laughs> the last two, off, <laughs> the last two three months. Let's be honest, I don't think I'll give him above a seven. To be honest, no, you're going off him. <laughs> um, and he, he's got his hair cut and all. But what we're going to say is that yesterday, whenever he was under small amounts of pressure, he was putting his under even more with bad back passes. He was yeah. he was always in the wrong place. Yeah. He, he was defensively too weak as well, which is something that early on the season I was quite praised how quick he was but how strong he was as well but the last couple of games especially yesterday as soon as somebody's running at him he seems to give up and sort of passes it and runs out the way because he doesn't want a challenge that isn't the ideal of a defender for me 
And that's why I, that's why I keep saying he's a midfielder for me, Ben Wilmot, because I just don't I don't see a true defender him unless he starts maybe hitting the weights, getting some roast dinners down him. He's got to start being a bit more stronger, and his mentality's yeah, got to change. Yeah, no, I would agree. He's got to be stronger. And the thing is, I know he's only young. I think he's not far away from twenty-three. Perfect time to start hitting the weights and getting like me, big and buff. He's got to start doing it, hasn't he? He's got to get. He's got to make a bit of a presence of himself. I know. I know Mark Munez are at do it, and he was a good player on his day. And Ben Wilmot's got to do the exact same thing. And yesterday he was weak, very weak. And, and it, for me, if if any, if we were to lose that game yesterday, it was going to be a mistake from Wilmot. So anyone, yeah, possibly. So if anyone thinks I like him, you're absolutely mad. Right. So now we're moving to Morgan Fox, the forgotten man. I thought he didn't do great first half. Thought he got better in the second half. As you just said about Ben Wilmot, I thought they were getting their attackers by passing Fox to. His distribution of the ball wasn't brilliant, but in the second half it got better. We need him because obviously it gives us a bit more balance to the side at the moment. But I'll say one thing about him, and I'll say the same about Josh Tymon. They can't take throw-ins. What is it with their throw-ins? They're awful. I know. It is awful. I mean, I'm going to go in with Fox as well because, to be honest, I thought he was all right yesterday, Morgan Fox. I liked some of the deep crosses he was putting in in the first and second half I thought I thought at least he was trying to make things happen I know there's nobody in the box but you know at least he was trying to make things happen yeah um, that's true I like well, his I'm giving link. him a 5 you're not going to change me verdict of a 5 no I'm giving him a 6 I am I thought he did okay. alright Morgan Fox defensively he was a bit shaky but he isn't a centre back is he so to be no, fair no. to be fair he is out of position but I thought he linked up well with timing as well I know it was only an hour off but he, he was linking up with him well he was, he was finding him in space and and trying to get him away, it was just timing was just looked too laboured to use the ball well. So at least he was trying to link up, and that that's a good sign for me because I've said for a while now that we need a a good sort of a left-footed centre back that I think would really kick us on if we could get a player similar to that. I know Morgan Fox isn't, and he's going to be a player that's probably let go at the end of the season. But I thought he did all right yesterday. Not not amazing, not bad, but I thought he did all right, Fox. He didn't make any mistakes, which is which is what I was glad about. And yeah, he can't take a throw in. Right, so so now now we'll go into Joe Allen. Um, people around me were saying he was absolute rubbish yesterday. I thought he was more um, he looked more disciplined in his role. I thought some of his passing was poor. Having said that, I thought some of his passing was good, but I thought he was better yesterday. Uh, than he had been a lot of matches, although he was quite good at Queen's Park Rangers. But again, as the match wasn't brilliant, um, I'm going to give him a six. Um, I'm going to go in with a... To be honest, I'll go in with a... I'll go in with a seven for Joe Allen yesterday. Oh, it is Christmas. Well, I thought he was all right yesterday. I know... Well, he did... He did did a... He gave a good opportunity to Tymon, didn't he? And Tymon messed that up. Um... That's the only thing I can really think he did that was really good. But go on, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Well, you. he he was carrying a lot of responsibility once yesterday, being in that yeah. cold, sort of holding midfield role. And I've, I've, to be honest, I don't mind him in that role. I know it's not his, but he's better than a hell of a lot we've got, except Jordan Thompson in at this moment, unless we bring someone yeah. else in. He's better than Sawyer's. He's better than Klukas in that position. Plus, also, he was carrying a lot of responsibility because Klukas has just come back fit, so he's got to do a lot of covering for a man who isn't up to speed. 
So I thought he did all right yesterday. I mean, he, he made a couple of little clever passes as well. I know there was a lot of poor ones that would, which Joe Allen should be better at for how much he's paid, but there was a couple of good ones where he, he tried to get Smith away, but Smith didn't have the pace to launch up the pitch because we were playing too deep, to be honest, yesterday. And like you said about the timing one, I thought he was. I thought he did all right. And you know my, you know my opinions on Joe Allen. I, mean, I, I can take him or leave him. He's one of them players. But yesterday, I thought he did. He did a lot for that holding midfield, and he and he tried his best. He wasn't running around like an headless chicken like he, we've seen him do in the past, which I'm, I'm glad about. A lot. When when Joe Allen knuckles into a position and stays there, he tends to do good for me. It's when he starts running around trying to do everyone else's job is when Joe yeah. Allen looks looks foolish. Yeah. So I was, I was glad to see that yesterday. Okay. Right, so we'll go in now to Sam Clucas, the man who has been poor all season, really, but he is back. It's a good job he's back as well, given the news that uh, Sawyers is out for 10 to 12 weeks. Oh, and, no. Um, that's another story. He looks rusty, obviously. He looks off the pace. But I actually thought he stuck in pretty well yesterday and um, did the job that he that he had to do. So um, I, I don't think you could expect much more than you got. He'll always try and uh, contribute, and he, he he kept going. So, as far as I'm concerned, that was a bonus. Another 90 minutes, so he's getting a six from me. Uh, you'll get a five from me, Sam Clucas, because to be honest, I didn't. If somebody, if if I didn't know before the game, I wouldn't know he was playing. To be honest, um, to be honest, I, I think he was on the wrong side. I, I just think he made a couple of good runs very late on. But other than that, I can't I can't really sit here and remember a great pass or a great attempt on goal because that's what it was shouting for yesterday a good yeah. hit from Klukas from about 25 yards testing yeah, the goal that's, and, and he's, lo he's lost that confidence to do that we know he can do it because we've seen it against Barnsley we, we did it twice against Barnsley we know he can hit a ball yeah, that's right and he, he, all this this like this season last season he seems to be afraid to take on a shot well we know he can yeah. and I'm, I'm just for me he's one of those players now I'll ask you the question that we may ask me would you have let him go at the end of the season, at the start of this season, instead of giving him a new contract? No. You wouldn't have let him go? No, the reason being that we hadn't got anybody to replace him. Well, we could so have, of course. And, and when you look at the fact that he did have the opportunity to go elsewhere, um, um, people didn't come in for him, says that there aren't any better uh, options for us at the moment because we obviously have tried to look for people to replace because everybody will try and lower the contract. You know, we've been in that situation where we've been trying to save money, but obviously there was nobody about. He didn't get a defensive midfielder in to replace John Obi Mikel because he couldn't. Um, and so I would have kept him, but only for that reason. Uh, to be honest, I would have let him go, to be honest. And yeah, shit. well, he would. Well, I, I, I think would. You're just... anti ginger, aren't you? Well, we're not getting into that now on the pod. <laughs> but, um... Anti ginger and love long blonde hair. <laughs> There's a picture emerging here. Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> but um, yeah I thought I, I, for me personally I think Lucas is one of those players that had a great one season and, yeah, then, and, and that's it really you know the season yeah. before when he joined under King Rowett and, and the two years after I've, I've not majorly been impressed with him to be honest but you know you're probably right it was either lower his contract and keep him for two years and then see what drops but for me, let's be honest. Next season, if we're going to, if we're going to start spending money again, is it one of them players that is going to be a wrap round the neck that we've got to sit on yeah. the bench for yeah, forty games a season? Right. So, did you give him a score? Six. 
I'll give him a five. Right, we'll go and take Mario Varancic. Now, I thought Mario Varancic looked for the first time yesterday because he was outstanding at Queen's Park Rangers and everybody said he couldn't play two or three games in a week. I thought yesterday was the first time that he looked uh, really leggy yesterday. I thought he looked very tired and that showed in the fact that um, his free kicks weren't as good as normal, his shooting wasn't great and even his corners, which he's normally very good at, um, weren't good. I, I thought he, he got very tired after about an hour and the only thing I can remember that he did really well was that great through ball for Campbell. Yeah. Um, so I'm giving him a six as well. A six. Uh, I'm yeah. going with a four actually for Rancic yesterday. God, the Christmas spirit's gone. Well, it quickly and it went quickly. Well, you know, truthfully told yesterday, he was he shouldn't have played. He was knackered. No, he shouldn't have. It, Why would you put in? You've got nobody else. He says, I asked him about Tasha and Oakley Booth. He said, uh, yeah, he's on the bench, but he's got to do more in training. But this what this what I mean about it. If, if you've got a player that's clearly knackered, I mean, clearly knackered, I mean, to be honest, I saw Vrancic in the 20th minute and he was blowing. So yeah, well, it, so Campbell was blowing after 10. Yeah, but he, he, it's Campbell. He can score a goal out of nothing. Let's be honest, it's Campbell. But the, the thing is with Vrancic yesterday, he looked knackered, but, and we'll go on to my close rating with this a bit later on, but for me, he shouldn't have played. I would have played it. Tashan, somebody else. There's other players. There's academy players. There's other players that could have played. To be honest, I would have preferred Klukasire up the pitch because yeah, of his deadly left that, foot. Yeah. And then maybe brought Tashan into that central midfield. And then brought Vrancic on in maybe the 70th minute where he might have been able to make an impact. But there's no yeah. point playing him from the first minute when he's obviously knackered. He was sweating when he came out the bloody Vengi. And it was freezing. So... He was poor yesterday. I can't. I can't say anything other than that. Fair enough. He made that good through ball, which was all he did. But he was knackered. He's. he's can, I, can I just ask you what is sweating when he come out of the thingy? Is that hey, I know. Word? I keep saying thingy. I get that from my dad. Hey, the tunnel. He was sweating. Oh, when he the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, sweating when he came out of the tunnel. Okay. Uh, there you are. For everyone listening, I'll, I'll I'll get rid of the rest of it. But um, yeah, I just I, he wasn't fit, and you could clearly see. And the problem yeah. is as well, and, and I know. People can say, like you've just said there, like you can. You, there's no one else. But when people are that injured, when they're that tired, that's when they get cramps. That's yeah, when they get poor muscle tears. That's when they get thingy because he, he was clearly knackered. He's 34 soon. You know, he, he's he, my age. But he's, and I know what it feels like when I do a run. I'm knackered after. You, you know, at the end of the day, put another lad in and just yeah. bring him on late on just to keep him fresh. You know. I thought it was poor yesterday, and a lot of it does come to the manager for me. But I thought Vrancic just was just out of the game completely. Right, so moving to Fletcher. I thought Stephen Fletcher had one of his poorest games in the Stoke shirt yesterday. I thought he was struggling to get involved. Although you know they didn't have much to, they were chasing a lot of lost causes. Um, and when he did get the ball, he struggled to either hold it up or pass it on. Um, as much as the service was bad, I just thought it was one of his worst possible games, and um, I'm going to give him a five. A five? Right. Um, I was getting in with a six actually for Stephen Fletcher yesterday. Five. I thought I thought his knock-on play was well was good yesterday. I thought well, he, he, was, he wins the headers. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, like turning them to nobody. I, I, well, I know, but it's not his fault. There's no one there, is it? No, true. <laughs> um, I thought he made a big difference in the first half with the way we were playing because the balls were coming in deeper than normal. So he was having to try and 
sort of flick them and, and knock them on to get other people away, which he was he was doing all right for a, a certain point. But you know, he was feeding off scraps. There was there was nothing yeah, there for him to. They both were. I mean, I know Campbell had the chance, which is why I was going to get a very low mark. But I thought Fletcher did okay. But second half he faded away, but I don't know why he was on the pitch as long as he was. That's one thing yeah, well, I'm going to we'll cover. Come on to that yeah, that's what we're going to come on to later. So I'm going to give him a six for what he had, but he was knackered towards the end and he needed to come off, but obviously other reasons for that. So he gets a six from me. Right, Tyrese Campbell. I thought Tyrese had one of his poorer games for Stoke. Um, I thought he... You would have expected, you'd have bet your house on him scoring that chance that he went through where he didn't really get a shot away, did he? Just the keeper sort of got his hand to it and that was it. I thought he was poor. I thought he looked incredibly tired. Um, I would have um, taken him off much earlier. I'd have taken Fletcher off much earlier too. Uh, but I thought at least Campbell got a shot. Well, almost got a shot away. Um, he'll get a six off me. But I thought it was very poor up front for those two. Ah, he gets a two from me, um, Tyrese Campbell. Uh, Again, not fit, not sharp. Shouldn't have played for me. Jacob Brown should have played against Middlesbrough. Yeah, I would go with that. To be honest, that chance, he had four opportunities to pick his spot. Four opportunities. I was watching him going, right, hit it straight, right, okay, lob him, lob him, lob him. And then he just sort of passed it to the goalkeeper. Poor. He's not concentrating. You've got to be better than that. I don't care if you are fit, knackered, whatever. You put that away. It's professional football. We talk about Duncan Watmore, he'd get a zero if he, if he played for Stoke and made miss that chance, I'll tell you now. But it was poor. Because that, that, that could have made him such a difference if he put that away. We would have won the game 1-0, six points out of the last two games. We really looked like it going into the second half of the season with a chance, real chance of the playoffs. But instead he's missed it. And he's, yeah, but he's getting back to, to playing more regularly. So that's the bonus for us. Yeah, yeah, I agree that he's he's not 100% there, but it doesn't matter if you're 100% there or 20% there, you don't miss one-on-ones. No, you know, the attack was toothless yesterday. It was just toothless. Yeah, it was. It was completely toothless. And, and you know, it wasn't just that, though. It was like he, he kept spurning energy for no reason. And he reminded me when he first broke into the team before he went to Shrewsbury that, in, in that sense, where he was just sort of like running to where the ball was and trying to make... I know he was trying to make things happen, but he was sort of running to stuff when he didn't need to, you know. And that's why Fletcher, when he was knocking things on, were going to nowhere because Campbell was too busy chasing down butt players and running here and running there. Don't do stuff like that. Use your energy to break away when Fletcher does get a knock on, like Fuller yeah. used to do. Fuller was brilliant yeah. at it when Sadiba used to knock the ball on. Fuller read it and, and that's when he'd use his energy to get away and get a goal. Campbell's got to start doing the same thing. Not wasting his energy running after the ball when it when that's what the midfield's job is to pick yeah, that ball absolutely. up at that point. It was poor, and it wasn't good enough. Right, so we'll go into the substitutes. Um, first, we'll go Brown for Campbell on the 80th minute. Well, uh, first thing I'll say is it's very hard to rate somebody when they play. They come on for 10 minutes, um, and the whole reason as to why they came on for 10 minutes is is a bit baffling for me, but. I'm going to give Brown a five because I don't think you can give him much more for coming on at that stage of the evening. He runs, he tries, but um, that's it. <laughs> I'm just going to give him a five because it's the exact same reasons. <laughs> right, and then the next substitute is Sorry G's back for Fletcher on the 83rd minute. What a difference yeah. he had. Well, because 
ran on and wore a shirt. Uh, he did have one chance, which he was given offside for, but he still managed to miss it. Um, oh. I'm giving him a four. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to pay £2 million for him. Um, yeah, but he's going to come good. At some point, he will come good. <laughs> said that about Keith Scott. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go over five because, you know, <laughs> because I, I do with all subjects, I can't change it unless they did something horrific. Right, so now we move into Tom Hintz on the 85th minute. Are you going to give Tom Hintz a five, are you on that? <laughs> well, he's got, you know, he's got, he's, he's got, I don't know how, I mean, what an impact that's game made five minutes ago. <laughs> well, I'm going to give him a four, the same as Surridge, because he came on. <laughs> and he ran a bit, and that's it. <laughs> I bet he got a sweat going, didn't he, in those five minutes? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I find it prophetic, to be honest. The subject. <laughs> oh, God, I'm still laughing. I wasn't I at the time, I've got to be honest. I feel but... for him, really, because he must, he must realise that even after the dour... You couldn't say that was even average yesterday. After that, and with all the injuries we've had, he's coming on for... Uh, the cameo of all cameos of four minutes. <laughs> oh, God. A5. Uh, right, next we're going to move into the overall Stoke performance. Well, I didn't think it was even average, so I'm going to give it a six. A six? That's above, that's above average. Well, it isn't for me. I yeah. give them seven normally for average. I was so. about, about to say average is five, four, oh, five, six. Well, come on, you know, give it a proper score, Hans. Come on, it was right, never a six. Bye. <laughs> never a five, are you, either. Trying, are you trying to bully me? Bully <laughs> me to lower my score, and I object to this. Now I'm going back to six. Six, 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 six. Absolutely no chance. Right, you give it a two. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go in with a three. To be honest, yesterday. A three. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a three. It was. It was, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. I was freezing. Oh <laughs> I, I was freezing. I got abused by a copper for saying the C word. And then I got I got stand there, freezing. I had to sit down twice because I couldn't feel my legs. <laughs> it was roughing jump about, wasn't it? And they say football's an obsession. <laughs> well, it must be an obsession. It was there. <laughs> no, I'm not giving it a three. I will give it a four because at least we did get a point. But I, I thought it was. It was a... Poor game Listen, to watch. Don't let me being objective change your mind. No, no, no. It is four. It is four for me. I was joking with three. Or I was going to joke with a one, but you know, can't give a draw to one. I thought it was a poor game. We we lacked any sort of intent in going forward for me. We had one great chance that we spawned, and we were sat way too deep against a yeah. team that was also sat way too deep. The changes came too late. Way too late. The game the game was running towards Middlesbrough's hands. The later it was going on. And I think, he, I think he was looking for a draw with the way we played. And that's the only thing I can look at it in that result. It was poor. Very poor. It wasn't great. Come on now, take your signal one hat off. And <laughs> <laughs> signal one, I think that's, uh, that's a bit much. But, um, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for your Michael O'Neill score. Well, that's next, and What are you getting in with? Um, right. I'm going to try and be quite measured here. When you look at the amount of players available, I wouldn't have changed much in the team that he picked, if anything, because I thought that was really... He couldn't do much with the midfield, 
Right. I, I probably would have played Ostergaard or at least had him on the bench. And, and, and obviously, if Seema's not training as well as he wants, then he wouldn't have him on the bench. The, the biggest problem for me was we didn't. he didn't change anything. He didn't change the formation. Not that he could have changed it for much, I don't suppose. But the biggest thing for me was the subs, the amount of time it took to, to bring the, the, the subs. Um, I just thought it was... Um, so late because he did say when when um, I asked him and other people asked him he said he felt that we had more chance of scoring with Fletcher and Campbell on the pitch and I felt again trying to be objective given that we didn't make a chance in the second half I mean we didn't make many in the first but if 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 that's the situation and you think they're going to give you the best chance and we didn't make a chance then then change it earlier so um i did wonder a bit for the first time well maybe not the first time but i did wonder about his plan b and i know middlesbrough are a decent side and i know that they are i've got a decent manager now but neither of them look like they're going to win you know they've got no cutting edge so for me i've been all that wandering on it's a six a six and he's lucky to get that a six yeah don't be trying to change my mind again. For God's sake, six. <laughs> what are you giving him? I'm giving him a three. <laughs> oh my goodness, you've been on the sherry. I don't drink, you know that. But um, <laughs> I thought it was poor from the way to, from the beginning to the end. I mean, why was Verancic on the pitch for 90 minutes? He was knackered after 20 minutes. The thing oh, is, so it was Campbell. I mean, you can't. I mean, yeah, no, I off. agree with you. I agree with you. But the thing is, this is what I mean. Why did it take to the 80th minute to make a change when the game was clearly going against us? The formation didn't work from the beginning. We were sat way too deep, so we were trying to break. But we were, we had two players that were knackered in the forward line in Verancic and Campbell, who were having. And you had Fletcher who was trying his best. But let's be honest, he's no spring chicken trying to knock on balls to knackered players and then does nothing about it till the 80th minute. This is the thing that drives me insane about Michael O'Neill. Now, we know he's a good manager and I'm not standing here going, get him gone. But the thing is, he's got to start learning this quickly because a lot of Northern Ireland fans said that in their, in their international matches that it took too long for him to make subs when games were going against them and it cost them results. I thought it did it, I can't remember which game we lost. Who was it we drew 3 3 with? Who was that? Cardiff. Cardiff, there, where the game was going against us and he didn't make any changes to or, or change the system. And yesterday, I thought we were going to lose. To be honest, especially towards the 70 odd minutes, I thought Middlesbrough are getting a hold of this and they're getting round the back. But yeah, he did nothing to change it. Morgan Fox was doing the best he could at holding midfield. No Ostergaard on the bench when we've got a left back playing left centre back. Now, fair enough, he does, he, he's, he's new to club management and doesn't really get loan signings, but Ostergaard should have come on late on for, for Morgan Fox because I would have put Fox at the left wing back and brought well, Ostergaard, Ostergaard in. on when he ain't even on the bench. No, but that's what I'm saying. Why yeah. wasn't he on the bench? When well, we got... he told me why he wasn't on the bench. What, what did he tell I mean, you? I, I, well, that just goes to show you don't listen well, to Well, come on, tell me. That, I, I was in a rant there. That. I've had to stop. Ian, I'm giving you a two. Well, that's good for you, then. Uh, right, so he said that um, all through the season they've only had um, one person on the bench as a, as a backup for centre-halves and they decided that Chester 
is more has more variety than the others to, to, to stay on the bench. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's the reason he gave. Um, and the other one was Seema wasn't on the bench because he wasn't showing enough in training. He'd got to do more in training, which is exactly what he said to me about Tash and Oakley Booth. Uh, but Tashin Oakley-Booth was presumably on the bench because they were they were struggling more with midfielders. So that 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 was his reason. Well, what would you say my response to those? Yes, of course. Utter bollocks. I'm sorry if he if yes, he. But I can't say that. On well, the well, I know, I know you, I know you can't. I know you were tempted, Ange. Don't, don't try and make out your way. But the truth is, <laughs> the truth is, Leo Ostergaard not a better defense, better option than James Chester. I'm sorry, I don't care. Well, look, I don't, I, I don't I, care. I believe that too, and I, I don't just go with the. You see, he sees them more in training. Uh, but I will say that um, was it Ostergaard at Coventry? Um, yeah, last season, yeah. Right, so they wanted to take him back again, and I remember them saying uh, when they wanted to take him back again, they were hoping he would change a couple of things with his game. Now, I like Ostergaard, and that, one of the reasons I like Ostergaard is he reminds me very much of, of, of Stoke fans who would put a Stoke shirt on. He run and run and run, he turns and thumps his chest, he, you know, he's, he goes mad when we score, he, he's, he's passionate about whatever team he's playing. And I think that might just cloud my judgment on Leo Ostergaard because there's no doubt about it. Let's let's be brutal about this. Leo Ostergaard would not, from what I've seen of him, play many games in the Premier League, and James Chester has. So James Chester may be older and he may not be as quick, and I might not like him as much. But there is something that Michael O'Neill feels James Chester brings to the team that Leo Ostergaard doesn't. Now, I don't know what that is, but he's picking the team, and I clearly got under his skin yesterday when I asked what I thought was a, a basically all right question, and that, to me, just sums up the fact that he is feeling the same frustration that we are feeling. So, yeah, I would agree with you that in my world, Leo Ostergaard would have been on the bench, but Michael picks the team, and, and Michael wasn't having him on the bench. So, um for that reason, you just tell me now why I've just been speaking rubbish for the last three or four minutes. No, I, I, I understand that the, ma- the manager likes James Chester. I, I, it's obvious, really, let's be honest. I mean, to, let, to be honest, I would have let him go after his loan spell, to be honest. I would have too. Um, the, the truth is, for me, is that we've got a really good young player there in Ostergaard, and I think in a couple of years, when he gets a little bit older, he will be ready for Premier League football. You've got to remember, there's a big age gap between Chester and Ostergaard. And for me... One of them's finished at this level, and one of them could be played at an higher level. So, yeah. for me, when you look at James Chester, we've seen it this season. Some of his performances are a player that's finished at this level. He should be yeah. at a Fleetwood or a Crew, or you know, even if he dropped that much, probably not the level of Vale, but Crew, maybe League One. But for me, not having an Ostergaard on the bench, and when you've got a player that's got as much promise as Simi, not even on the bench says for me there's been a fallout I'm not saying there has been because I don't want people getting into the press game there's been a fallout but I just don't think at times he understands that I think it's like oh well these are our players they're lone players they're not our lads where you have to make him your lads you bring him in because that's what you've brought him in on loan for because we couldn't get an Ostergaard you're talking in the nowadays market probably 9-10 million for a player of his yeah. age yeah. So in Simmy you're probably talking 
now he's at a Premier League club, he's probably talking 15, 16 million to prize yeah. him away from Brighton. But then you can look at the other side of the coin and some people will turn around and say, well, if you haven't got Seema or Ostergaard at least on the bench, you've wasted two loans. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying about it. With, You know, we, we, we brought Seema in for a reason. And we've all seen what he did against Tottenham. We've all seen how quick he is. I know for me he's a winger, not a striker. I'll, I'll always say that. But for me, as an option off the bench, even for Smith, if we want to go a bit more attacking and, and instead of having wing backs, we go with mid, right midfielder and left midfielder. You can bring Simmer on for Smith and maybe see if he can break forward and get some balls in as a yeah. second half option. There's always yeah. a choice with Simmer because he's a, he's, a, he's a player that can play in a couple of positions. True. But yesterday. Like Sim, Sim is obviously fit because he played midweek, didn't he, with the under the under twenty ones, under yeah, twenty three, and he played well. And did he score twice? Yeah. Yeah, he played well. So for yeah, me, there's a big difference, isn't there? Yeah, I know there's a big difference, but it means he's played a bit of game. He's got a bit of fitness, so he's he's worth fifteen minutes, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't understand what this lack of bringing Simmer is because you know, apparently he had a little knee injury or something, didn't he? he was, he's been out well, for months. Apparently it was supposedly a, quite a complex knee injury. I mean, you, you, you just don't know anymore, do you? Because they can say whatever they like. I mean, the Nick Powell injury seems to have um, reared its ugly head again and he had to go for another scan the other day. So you never know with injuries, do you? How they're going to, um, how they're going to pan out? Well, exactly, yeah. And I've just, I've just really miffed with Michael O'Neill, really, because we're, we're starting to now sort of drop points a bit now compared to the other teams around us. It seems like teams like you've said, Coventry and Middlesbrough are starting to find form now. Forest are definitely finding form now. And they're catching us up now. And we seem to be, in my opinion, still a bit unbalanced. We seem to be, you know, we did great against QPR, but then come out against Middlesbrough and looked like we, looked like we were all knackered. And, but there's been, there's been no midweek game. So for me, they should be fitter than normal because they haven't had to play three in a week. So, and it's going to be a tough period now as well. And, you know, the Christmas period coming you talk up. talk about a tough period. Now, again, I'm talking over you because um, I just want to talk over you. Yeah, I've noticed. Um, Everyone knows. Normally, Christmas is far more tough in terms of games in a few days than we're going to have this year. Because we play Coventry next Saturday. Then, OK, we play Barnsley on the 26th. So that's virtually a full week, isn't it? Yeah. You've got off. And then we don't play Derby till the Thursday. So, because of the way the, the league's worked out, we've got better times, um, more recovery time than you normally would have over Christmas. Yeah, it's going to be a more intense period, but nowhere near as intense as you know it would have been in the past. We've probably got more recovery time this time, which is a blessing for us. Yeah, it is, because normally you'd have the two games in... in it's normally like three, four games in five yeah. days, four days, isn't yeah. it? Something normal. Yeah. So in, in that effect, it's less busy than the the Monday, Tuesday, Saturday. That sorry, the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, or the Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday that we've had in the first half of the season for most part. So that might be a blessing in disguise for us. Anyway, I digress. I apologise. Yes. Well, we're going to talk about that now. Anyway, in Coventry City. Uh, what do we think of this one? Because to be honest, I'm a bit scared of Coventry City because they're a, they're a team of players I don't really know anything about because their rise has been absolutely emphatic since they played us in the FA Cup. But you've got to remember, they they sat Mark Hughes and since they well, have... I've always had a soft spot for Coventry City now um, for that reason. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, no, being serious, I, 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 I've said early, early doors that um, I, I think that uh, Coventry will fall away. Uh, but, you know, people said that about other teams last season in this championship race and, and they c- carried on. Um, yeah, I think that Stoke will struggle with their movements, but there's just something about me that when they played at Queen's Park Rangers last Sunday, there was a steely determination in the team that came back. And I think that same steely determination will be on display at Coventry because of the importance of the game. We've been in the top six virtually all the first half of the season and I think Stoke will get at least a draw. I would take a draw now. I don't know what you would take and I think we'll get that draw. I'll be gutted if not for two reasons. One, we've lost and two, it ruins me Christmas. Yeah, um, to be honest, I've got a feeling it's going to be another QPR. I think we'll win. Um, Great. I, I really do because I think we're... I don't I can't explain why, but I just feel we're we're gonna. It's all on Michael O'Neill for me, and how he uses the team and how he, for, for me, I think we need to drop the wing back position just for one game and go with wingers rather than wing backs for this next game, and just and bring two oldie midfielders in, Joe Allen and, and whoever he can put in net alongside him, just to keep the defence a bit more solid and go for him. For me, I, I, to be honest, I'd even start Simmy on the right wing as well just to try and break a bit more attacking behind them because the truth is with Coventry, they're very soft at the back, but they're very quick at going forward, but they're a very central team as well. So if you put two holding midfielders and three centre-backs in that way, it's going to be hard to get round. And I think with their soft belly, we could create a few chances, especially with Campbell. We know, I know, I know we missed the City yesterday, but yeah. he's, still, he's still a good finisher. And I've got a feeling we'll beat them up 2-0. I do. Well, that's good. That's good. That, that's I'll, the I'll thing. go with that. Probably, let's hope that's the most sensible thing you've said all day. Well, I've said some sensible things, especially, <laughs> when, especially when I said the B word as well. Everyone agreed. But <laughs> I just, I feel that we've got to go for it now. And we've got to just get going for it as much as we possibly can and then look what we can get in January just to top people back up and top the squad up with some fresh legs. Cause well, why are you talking about that? I don't think Stoke will be spending much money in the January transfer window. I think you'll be looking at loans and um, free agents. And I just wonder if Tom Edwards will come back into play. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing Tom Edwards, because, I mean, he's back now, and he's apparently done really well in the MLS. But let's be honest, uh, Anthony Pulis did brilliant in the MLS. So yep. it's not it's not a great thing, shout. But hopefully he's come back a bit stronger than he was before, because it was a... To be, to be honest, Tom Edwards used to remind me of the right-sided version of Tymon. You know, a little bit all over the place. But we know he's got yeah. a good finish on him. We, we, he's not, he needs to sharpen up on his crossing. But he could yeah. come back like a new sound. We've got a lot of these young lads that are going, who've been out on loan come back as well. I think Jones comes back. Uh, Goodwin come back, comes back. Um, I can't think who else comes back. Um, Norton. Norton, I think Forrester comes back as well. There's going to be a few players coming back. And I know Forrester's really impressed at Mansfield, same as Jones. So there's a few that, for me, are going to be like fresh faces in the squad. I mean, Jones, from everything I've heard, has been absolutely brilliant at Bristol Rovers, is it, with um, Joey Barton. So hopefully he's a new Harry Suter and could come back and maybe make a big difference in that defence. So we can sort of start sliding out Chester and, and players like that and see what he can do. You know, there's, yeah, there's a few coming there's back. There's no doubt in my mind, though, that Michael O'Neill has done a remarkable job of turning around the squad that we have. 
and has by bit by bit brought players in that can take the club forward. And um, whereas we used to be the blueprint for people wanting to get into the Premier League, I think if you look at Brentford, who, who progressed slowly over time and brought in players, I think that's the route we're going now. And if we don't get up this season, and I still think we'll make the playoffs, and then it, as you've said, it's a lottery. I think we will in the next couple of years, and you can you can't have imagined that being possible two seasons ago. No, no, you couldn't. And it's 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 we've got a good opportunity now, but for me, we still need to start chucking a bit of money out there to try and get some finishing articles. I know, I know this season we've only bought one player and that player is absolutely hopeless in Surridge. I mean, a question was asked to me the other day, would you loan out Sam Surridge if an offer came in? And would you? I would, yeah. Would you? Yeah, but they won't because of the lack of forwards we have at the club. Yeah, but They're ta- not going to loan him out. <sighs> this, this is what I mean with the forwards. It's a bit... Nobody, nobody seems to be grabbing it by the scruff of the neck, are they? Let's like, be no, honest. But, but when Jacob Brown comes back in next week, and I think he will be back in next week, by the way, you watch the difference in how we press. Well, that's that's a big one. See, I'd, next week against Coventry, I want pace. We're going to have to press, yeah. Yeah, I'd, 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 I want Fletcher dropped, and I'd want to see Brown and Campbell together and see if we can get away. But they need support. And, and it, with, with this wing-back position, the way we're playing at the moment, we're, we're too deep. And we're not getting those balls up and across to them, and that's why I'd change the bit. I'd change and put those wing backs higher, and go with a right midfield and a left midfield to try and get a bit more attacking threat down the wings to give them some support. That's what I'd do. Yeah. Right. So now we're going to go into the women. Yeah, you could wish we hadn't. Oh. Well, we've got covered two weeks as uh, well. Yeah. The ladies had a great win against Norwich, um, but this week they played them in the cup. And they've lost 2-1. Oh. Apparently it was a really f- fantastic first half performance by the ladies, but Notts Forest scored the winner in the 75th minute and uh, they lost 2-1. And the reserves lost 5-3 away at West Brom um, with Barrow and Suckley, uh, sc- who got two, scoring our goals. And um, the statement from the Stoke City FC Women's says, we regroup and we go again. Sounds very positive. Yes. <laughs> right, I think that's another one done, Ange. Till next yeah, week. Yeah, well, um, we'll be speaking again next week. So thanks everybody to um, for listening. And um, hopefully Ian will have his Santa hat on next time and be, be joyful and merry and full of festive points for our team performance. Yes, because we want a positive one before Christmas. All right then. So, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please, if you're on iTunes, give us a five-star review. It means a lot. Everybody who's already done it after us, give you a massive thank you for that. And if you don't really fancy it, just do it anyway. It's Christmas. Be generous. If you want to follow us, we're on all social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Just put in the podcast. You'll find it's very easy. Just give us a share. Give us whatever you can. So, thanks for listening. ta All the best.